Salam Salam from BA. This is a Rorschach Ethiopia update from the 16th of March 2023. A quick summary of what's going down in Ethiopia. Last year, November marked the end of a two-year-long civil war in the northern parts of Ethiopia between the federal government and the Tigray People's Liberation Front, or TPLF. During this war and until now, it's been alleged that Eritrea, a neighboring country, has deployed its army to fight against the TPLF on the government side. One of the clauses of the peace agreement, signed in November 2022, requires the exit of the Eritrean army from Tigray. On the 7th of March this year, Nada al-Nashif, the Deputy High Commissioner of the UN Human Rights Council, said that the withdrawal of the Eritrean army from Tigray was very slow and incomplete. The Council has also said that although the Eritrean army had breached human rights during its stay in Tigray, the Eritrean government hasn't made any efforts to assume responsibility for these breaches. The Council is not the only organ of the UN concerned with what's happening in Tigray. The UN's Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs revealed that more than four billion US dollars worth of aid is needed and that out of this amount, more than 150 is required for education provisions. Reports have revealed that more than 80% of schools in Tigray have either been severely damaged or turned into camps for the displaced. Aside from elementary and secondary schools, universities in the region have also been affected by the war. The Axum University, for instance, has sustained damage worth up to 15 billion burr, or almost 300 million US dollars. The university's president said recently that there are plans to rebuild the university using the budget released from the federal government and aid from non-governmental organs. The president added that if all goes to plan, the university should be able to begin admitting students within the next three months. It's been about a month since the Ethiopian Orthodox Tewahedo Church, or EOTC, resolved the illegal breakaway controversy. Recently, the church's fathers discussed with Shimelis Abdisa, the president of the Oromia region. Even though in the discussion the president promised to release Christians illegally detained in the region, the church's legal committee member said that the president hasn't kept the promise. Not only that, the councillor said that the regional police are still persecuting Christians and refusing to respect the church's rights. Days later, on Wednesday the 15th, the church's Holy Synod held a meeting and made the decision to call for peace. The Synod revealed that even though the instigators of the breakaway have kept their end of the agreement, their 25 illegal appointees are still engaged in illegal activities. The Church added that the Oromia regional government has agreed to detain the appointees and bring them to the capital. Another controversial piece of news came from the region of Oromia this past week, as the regional government has prohibited groups and individuals from gathering aid to support those in need in the Borena zone. There's a severe drought in and around the zone as it hasn't rained in the past five rainy seasons, killing many cattle and leaving many people starving. 
The regional government said that no donation can be made without the authorization of the government, citing the need to control the aid coming in and distributing it fairly among those in need. Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed and his delegates were in South Sudan on Monday the 13th for a work trip. The PM sat down with South Sudan's president, Salva Kir Mayardit, and returned to Ethiopia the same day. Two days after the PM's trip, the US's Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, went to Addis. The next day, on Wednesday the 15th, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs announced that Secretary Blinken sat down with Deputy PM and Minister of Foreign Affairs, Demeike Mekonen, and had a talk on various issues. The details, however, weren't revealed. The PM's office also said that Prime Minister Abiy talked to Secretary Blinken. The office said the content of the talk included regional, internal and bilateral issues. Since the war against the TPLF broke out, the US and Ethiopia have been at odds. After this discussion, however, both parties have agreed to improve relations. That same day, the US revealed an aid package of more than 300 million US dollars through the EUSAID. The aid will be used to provide those in need with much-needed food, medicine and clean water. At the City Council Assembly, Addis's mayor Adanak Abebe said that recently there have been attempts of a coup d'etat and a destabilization of the city. She said these attempts were aided by people migrating from certain regions to the city without specifying. Upon the request of a council member, officials specified that it was people from the Amhara region that were deserving the city, which caused serious backlash. The National Amhara Movement released a statement the same day, urging the federal government to remove the mayor from office and take back her statement, saying that Adenek's remarks were divisive, dangerous and a call for genocide. Three more opposition parties issued a joint statement on the matter as well. They were against the report, saying that the right of citizens to freely move within the country is a constitutionally granted right that cannot be refused by government officials. The parties also recalled the recent trend of refusing people from the Amhara region entrance to the capital. On that note about Addis, if you've ever been in the capital city, you're probably familiar with a three-wheeled vehicle called Bajaj. It is a popular means of transport on smaller roads in the city. On Wednesday the 8th, the city administration's transport bureau imposed an indefinite ban on these vehicles. This decision was met with discontent by Bajaj drivers and users. On Friday the 10th, the administration released a statement explaining the importance of the ban, saying that Bajaj drivers have unnecessarily increased fares and that some drivers have been using their bajajis to engage in criminal activities. The Bureau also said the ban will continue until it finishes implementing a new and improved system. The head of the office said on the next day that the ban will be lifted soon. Speaking of transportation, the Ministry of Trade and Regional Integration revealed that aside from aircraft fuel, 
there will be no increase on gas prices until the 8th of April. This came with another good news for residents in Addis who are living in rented houses. The city council decided in an ordinary meeting that lessors won't be allowed to increase rent fees until June this year. The council said the decision was made because of market instability and high inflation rates. Last week, we told you that the government refused to let opposition party ENAT hold its General Assembly. On Sunday the 12th, another opposition party, Balderas, was also forced to abandon its assembly, even though the party had obtained a license to hold the assembly at a hotel in Addis, the hotel refused to accept payment. The hotel's manager told the party that a Romeo police threatened her and that she couldn't let the assembly be held in the hotel. Balderas also recalled that its vice president had been detained and released on Saturday the 11th. The election board had its take on the matter. On Wednesday the 15th, the board said in a statement that it does not take these disruptions lightly and urged the Ministry of Justice to press charges against law enforcement officers responsible for these disturbances. Another figure that was released was journalist Tamesken de Salen. On Wednesday the 8th, the Federal High Court acquitted the journalist who was charged with spreading false information. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. You can support us by subscribing to our show. This way, you'll never miss an episode. Let us know your thoughts and ideas by emailing us at ethiopia at Ciao.